Good evening. It's good to see everybody. Please open your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians. Once again this evening, we'll be looking... Actually, it'll be our first look at Galatians chapter 5. And look there with me in the first verse. The Apostle Paul writes, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, in the freedom, and the finished salvation wherewith the Lord Jesus Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The book of Galatians, like all of God's word, is full of precious promises. Indeed, God's word declares the exceeding great and precious promises of the gospel of Christ, that ye might be partakers of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Having escaped. How would you describe someone who has escaped? They're free. I love that precious promise of redemption that the Apostle sets forth for us in Galatians chapter 3, there in verse 13, how that we are redeemed, set free from the curse of the law by Christ being made a curse for us. Beloved, Christ has set us free. He set us free with his precious promise. What a glorious promise we have in Christ. Indeed, through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, God gives us exceeding precious promises, lest we despair of salvation and mercy in Christ. But further, the book of Galatians, like all of God's word, not only gives us precious promises, but also gives us some powerful warnings, lest we presume and suppose that we can be justified some other way than the Lord Jesus Christ alone. In chapter 2, in verse 16, the apostle declares, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. Paul not only sets forth precious promises, but also strong and powerful warnings, how that we're not justified by works, rather how that we're justified by God's sovereign mercy and Christ alone. Now, in the book of Galatians and elsewhere, Paul, the apostle of God, makes it clear to all who have ears to hear how that those who seek acceptance before God through their own doing have not just deviated from the gospel, but have openly denied and departed from the gospel of salvation by God's grace in Christ alone. Those who say that we're partly justified by Christ and then partly justified by what we do, well, they've missed the gospel altogether. Those who preach and teach that they have not just, that very thing, have not just departed from the faith, they've denied the very gospel of God's saving grace in Christ. Listen to Paul's ardent cry to the brethren there in the last verse of chapter 2. He writes, 
I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Beloved, sinners are made saints by the power and operation of God alone. Indeed, that's what happens in salvation. Sinners are made saints totally by the sovereign will of God through the exceeding merit of the Lord Jesus Christ, by his blood sacrifice and by his righteousness alone. My friend, justified freely by his grace through the redemption, through the redeeming blood of our blessed Savior, he bought us with his own blood, and therefore we shall be saved from wrath through the Lord Jesus Christ, being justified by his blood. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, the, the Apostle Paul instructs believers what we are to do and what we are not to do. First of all, he tells us what we are to do. What are we to do? He tells us in the very first verse of Galatians chapter 5, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And then in the latter part of that same verse, the apostle tells us what we're not to do. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Beloved, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage to the law, to ceremony, and to works. Don't go that way to be justified. Now, first off, let's look at those two things believers are to do. First, stand fast. Stand fast. Now, what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to stand fast? Well, if you were a soldier on the battlefield holding a battle line, and the commander came up and said to you, your, your platoon, stand fast, the meaning would be this. Hold the line. Don't retreat. Don't give up the ground you stand upon. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Stand fast at all costs. If it costs your life, don't retreat. Don't surrender. Stand fast unto death. And so what, that's what the apostle is saying here. Stand fast means to be stationary. It means to persevere. It means to defend at all costs. Even while the enemy is coming, don't move. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't move. Defend at all costs. Don't back down. Don't compromise. Stand steadfast. Be resolute with no compromise. And that's what we're to do as believers. And we do that by God's grace. Our Lord declares, If a man love me, if a, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Indeed, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So, beloved, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, God's word exhorts us to watch, be on the lookout, stand fast in the faith, act like men, be strong. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, God's word exhorts us to let our conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, and that we are to stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
Now, I realize we live in a day of compromise, in a day when everybody says we ought to get along and just compromise our principles and compromise God's gospel and truth. God forbid. God forbid. May God grant us to stand fast, to let us stand fast. And so that's what God's word declares in Jude chapter 1, verse 3. God's word declares, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend with vigor, with effort, with energy for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What are we to do, beloved? God tells us through his apostle in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, with the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Now, the reason why we're to be so dogmatic in our stand for the gospel is because the Lord Jesus Christ, by his own blood, at great cost to himself, bought our freedom. He bought our liberty. Do we dare compromise what he has purchased for us? Not if we love him. So that's what the apostle is saying. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. Beloved, we have this precious freedom and liberty bought at a great price by his own blood. He bought us, beloved. Therefore, stand fast. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, God's word declares, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty and freedom. Beloved, stand fast in that liberty wherewith he has set us free. Free from the penalty of the law. Free from that wage we so richly deserved. Beloved, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And our Heavenly Father hath made his well-pleasing, perfect, sinless Son to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Beloved, Christ has redeemed us, freed us from the curse of the law. The law says, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And Christ set us free from that curse that curse of the law. For under the curse of the law, we were guilty, condemned before God, and he justified us by his grace in God's sight by his blood, by the sacrifice of himself, having paid the debt in full, having satisfied God's law in the performance of it, and in paying the penalty of it, the Lord Jesus Christ justified us from the curse of the law, and so consequently, he has given us freedom, liberty, by salvation in him and freedom from the false religion of works. He has set us free from the clutches of sin and death. He has set us free. Indeed, that's how we live, beloved. The justified live. My sinner friend, do you know how God's people live? They live by faith. That faith which is always looking to the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he set us free from the penalty of sin. Stand fast, therefore, for he has set us free from the curse of the law. Stand fast. Beloved, he set us free from the bondage of the cursed religion of works. Now stand fast. He sets us free from the fear of death and judgment. 
for he has set us free. In Romans chapter 8, beginning there in verse 1, I never get tired of hearing this, and I trust you, you, you don't either, beloved. God's word declares, There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Beloved, we're set free. Now stand fast. Paul writes in another place, So then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, the Lord Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy the devil that had the power of death and deliver his people who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Deliverance from the fear of death to an anticipation that through the gift of faith, we no longer await our death. (laughs) We no longer await our death, but rather ever so blessedly our departure and ultimately our acceptance before his throne in his sight. I like the way the Apostle Paul spoke of his death. He says, not that the time of my death is at hand, but rather the time of my departure is at hand for me. And he continues, for me to live is Christ. And so to to die for the Apostle Paul and all of God's people, to die is not punishment. To die is not punishment for the believer, but rather it's graduation day. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm free from the fear of sin, death, and judgment. Now stand fast. Beloved, believing sinner, Do you see what the Apostle is saying here? Stand fast in that liberty, for Christ has made us free by his grace. It is Christ who keeps us free. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Whom the Son has set free, he is free indeed. Beloved, stand fast in that liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. That's what we're to do as believers in Christ Having been set free, we are to remain steadfast in his liberty. Now, in the second part of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, God tells us through his servant Paul what we're not to do. Be not entangled, caught up, trapped again with the yoke of bondage. For, beloved, we've been set free. Now, here's a, a valuable lesson for us of what we're not to do. Do not, I repeat, do not allow anyone to entangle you, ensnare you with the yoke of bondage, of ceremony, or ritualism, or whatever ism it may be. My friend, religion without liberty in Christ is nothing more than legalistic bondage and pure slavery. Don't allow some religious pretender to put you back under a system of works and deeds in order to obtain God's favor, or for that matter, maintain it. For in Christ, we already have God's favor. Beloved, believing sinner, we are complete in Christ. Just how complete are we? So completely saved, so thoroughly washed of all our sins, 
that God says that he will remember our sins and iniquity no more. For in Christ Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, beloved, stand fast, because we are complete in Christ. For of him, our Heavenly Father, are ye in Christ, his only begotten Son, who of God is made unto us everything we need to stand accepted before God now and eternally. Beloved, of him are you in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Christ is not only my justification, beloved, he is our sanctification, and he is my redemption, he is my everything. Beloved, everything that God demands of us has been freely, fully, and eternally provided for us in Christ at great cost to himself, but freely given to us, given as the gift of God by his grace to us. Now stand fast. We saw last week how Peter there in Acts chapter 15 stood up and declared, Why tempt ye God? to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they, justified in Christ and sanctified in Christ. Now, a lot of professing Christians, as yet untaught of God, think we're justified at Calvary and then we're sanctified at Mount Sinai through what we do. My sinner friend, that's a lie. For we're justified by grace in Christ and we're sanctified by grace. We're justified by grace in Christ and we're sanctified by grace in Christ. One finished work of salvation that God has done for us at Calvary. The other is a work God is doing in us and he has done it. It's a finished work. And so we are not sanctified progressively. Rather, we are sanctified in Christ Jesus completely. Friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is my sanctification. He is my holiness. And so believers resting in Christ delight to wear his yoke of liberty, his yoke of freedom, Indeed, believers want to be entangled with the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the yoke of his love, his mercy, and peace, his yoke of forgiveness and righteousness in Christ. That's why the Lord said this, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will impute righteousness without works, without works, without any contribution on your part. What could a wretched sinner like you And a wretched sinner like me contribute to God Almighty. Nothing but what is filthy. Nothing but what is ruined and unacceptable. Thank God, salvation is all of his grace in Christ Jesus. Our Lord declares to you who are filthy, to you who are ruined, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
My sinner friend, do you know why his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Because it's the yoke of the finished, accomplished redemption in Christ Jesus. I wear his yoke. Indeed, I'm yoked with him. We are one together, beloved. We are one in Christ Jesus by his grace. So, beloved, stand fast. We have freedom and liberty in Christ Jesus. And don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage to the law of doing something to try and save yourself apart from Christ. Now, in verses 2, 3, and 4, the apostle gives us three dire warnings. As I said at the outset, the book of Galatians is full of promises, lest we despair of not having God's salvation, and warnings, lest we presume it. Now, I don't want to be presumptuous, do you? I want to believe Christ and rest in him alone for all my salvation. Now, here's the first warning, verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who hath raised him from the dead. Behold, I, Paul, a man with God's message, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. If you be circumcised for religious purposes, thinking that somehow that commends you to God, or through what you've done, you've gained God's favor, or gained his love, or maintained or earned his grace by what you've done or not done, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now that's perhaps the strongest and most powerful warning you'll ever find in the word of God against trying to earn God's favor through your filthy, ruined, imperfect works. My sinner friend, if you go the way of works, the way of circumcision, the way of fleshly deeds of the law, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now, if a man submits to circumcision, as those Jews, those Judaizers came down and told our brethren, beloved believing sinners who were saved by God's grace there in the church of Antioch, how they said, you can't be saved unless you do this or that. Now, hold on a minute. We're already saved by Christ. So we've got a big problem here. These Pharisees wanted to have them believe that you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. Well, God's already saved his people by his grace. My friend, if a man submits to legalism in order to gain God's acceptance, Christ shall profit that man nothing. Zero. My sinner friend, Christ must be received by faith alone as our all, indeed our only all-sufficient Redeemer and Savior. For there is no other way to be saved. Indeed, there's no other Savior. And so if we add anything, even anything performed in a religious way to the person and finished saving work of Christ to gain God's favor, whether it be circumcision, whether it be baptism, whether it be the Lord's Supper or church attendance or church membership or trusting and doing good works to others, we're not fully trusting and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. My sinner friend, if you think there is something that you do 
or perform that makes what Christ did work or makes what Christ did effectual, Christ shall profit you nothing. Zero. And in our day, these same Pharisees and Judaizers would have you believe that your salvation was made complete by your faith. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you're justified by your faith? God help you. God free you in Christ. Look again at Galatians chapter 2. I, I, I read from it earlier. Galatians chapter 2 and look there in verse 16. What a blessed thing to know. (laughs) What a blessed thing to know. Verse 16 of Galatians chapter 2. Knowing, we know, beloved, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. What an insult to God's grace in Christ to attempt to add our righteousness to His. What an insult. You think about it. What an insult to our mighty God for a puny, wiggling maggot of a sinner to think somehow that by what He does adds honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's to spit in the face of Almighty God and to say that the blood atonement and the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ was not enough, even when he himself declared it is finished, to suggest or even say that it wasn't enough. Beloved believing sinner, all we have to save us is Christ. And my sinner friend, if he's all you've got, you've got everything that God requires a perfect payment of the penalty of the law and a perfect performance of perfect righteousness which he requires for the law to be satisfied. My sinner friend, if you come some other way than Christ, Christ shall profit you nothing. Zero. We read in Romans chapter 10, verse 3. We'll read it again. I'll quote it to you. You don't have to turn there. They being ignorant of God's righteousness... Christ's finished perfect righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. My sinner friend, God give you grace to receive this and and I want you to see this. This is in Romans chapter 10. Turn with me, please. Romans chapter 10. I just read to you verse 3. God give you grace to receive And rest in verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Well, surely, preacher, we have to do something to be sanctified. We have to be sanctified by doing something. Circumcision, baptism, the Lord's Supper. My friend, if you do anything with the religious idea that somehow that adds to the finished saving work of Christ, well, all that will prove is that you never believed on Christ to begin with. You never believed on him declaring his finished saving work for sinners. And so consequently, Christ shall profit you nothing. 
Now, just a word here regarding baptism. Now, some of you, myself included, have friends and family that identify with the Church of Christ. Really, a better name for them would be the Church of Water and Works. You see, they promote salvation by water baptism. And so we see the Apostle setting forth this principle clearly and unmistakably. My friend, if you're baptized in water with the religious thinking that somehow that merits God's favor or God's blessing or God's salvation, Christ shall profit you nothing. You see, water baptism is for believers. Baptism is not to be is not something that a believer does to be saved. Rather, it is for those who have already been saved by God's grace in Christ. So is water baptism essential for salvation? My friend, water baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Rather, it is an ordinance of the Lord, obeyed by those he has already saved. Indeed, the only thing essential to salvation is Christ, for he is all and in all. So does water baptism complete salvation? No, my friend, Christ completed salvation. He said upon the cross, it is finished. So preacher, are you saying that those people that are trusting in water baptism for salvation and water baptism for redemption and water baptism for regeneration and water baptism to be in the body of Christ and have your sins washed away, by water? Are you saying those who believe that are lost? My sinner friend, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you do anything to be justified by what you do or don't do, Christ shall profit you nothing. If you do anything to be justified by what you do or don't do, you're lost. You need to trust Christ alone. God give you his grace to do just that. My sinner friend, does baptism have power to save? Is baptism the power of God to save? Absolutely not. For Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Does baptism put away sin? No. For it's the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Does water baptism regenerate? The natural man is so dead when it comes to spiritual matters, so spiritually dead as to think that water baptism gives a spiritually dead sinner life. Now that's about as dark and ignorant a statement that any sinner can make. And that's the reason they make it. They're ignorant of God. And they're going about to establish their own righteousness. But you, beloved, hath he quickened who were dead in sin. God does the quickening. It takes the power of God Almighty to raise a dead sinner to spiritual life in Christ. The same almighty power that it it took to raise the dead body of the Lord Jesus Christ is the same power he uses to give life to his beloved people. And so, my sinner friend, if you do anything, anything at all, with the religious idea that somehow that helped or let God save you or commended you to his favor, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now, water baptism 
is the way a believer, a believer publicly confesses the Lord Jesus Christ as all his salvation because he has already done a work of grace in your heart. It's a confession of Christ who is our all and in all. It's the answer of a good conscience before God Almighty and before believers. And here's the second warning. Just return there to Galatians chapter 5. The second warning we see there is in verse 3. Galatians 5 verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. My friend, if you're going to go the way of legalism, the way of the law, the way of Moses, then you're not a debtor. Then you're a debtor to not just do some of the law, not just the parts you pick and choose, not just the parts you think that might be convenient for you to do. Then you are a debtor to do the whole law. People who want to pick and choose, they think, well, it's the moral law. The ceremonial law has been fulfilled and that now we're under the moral law. Well, if you think that way, you're a debtor to do the whole law. You better find yourself a priest and you better be in this livestock business and start to start slaughtering animals and you better start building a tabernacle and you better find the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant and on and on and on. Where do you start? Where do you stop? If you're going to go the way of the law, you're a debtor to do the whole law. What a contrast there is between debt-free and being in debt, between liberty in Christ and bondage in the law. If you're a debtor, that means you're guilty before the law of God. It means the law of God has a claim on you. It means the law of God declares you guilty as charged. Pay the penalty. Oh, what a difference between condemnation and no condemnation. So, beloved, stand fast. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, I know which way I want to go. And by God's unmerited grace in Christ, I'm going to go that way. The way of his grace. Because I'm a sinner. God is holy. And I cannot satisfy God's law. Thank God he did. And not only did he satisfy it, it says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 21, how that he magnified the law of God and made it honorable. And so our Heavenly Father is well pleased with me for his Son's righteousness sake. And beloved, he's well pleased with you for his Son's righteousness sake. Not mine, not yours. For the Lord Jesus Christ magnified the law. He honored the law of God on our behalf in obedience to our Heavenly Father. Beloved, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Our Lord said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to honor it, to fulfill it. And beloved, he did. My friend, as you look at this man behind this pulpit, you're looking at a sinner who has perfectly honored and magnified God's law completely in Christ. 
And so, my friend, if you depart from the gospel of God's free grace and go the way of legalism, works, and ceremony, you're a debtor to guilt, to bondage, and ultimately eternal condemnation. Thank God there's saving liberty in Christ. My sinner friend, if you seek salvation in the least degree by your obedience to the law or any scheme of works, you're under a debt of obligation to do the whole law. You're under the curse of sin, under the curse of the law. As we read earlier in our studies of this book, the apostle sets forth there in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, how that if you're going to go the way of works, he writes, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Beloved, we've been set free in Christ Jesus. And so consequently, the apostle exhorts us to stand fast in that liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. And here's a third warning to those who would seek to be saved or justified by the works of the law. Verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you, who vainly think you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. My sinner friend, if you believe that you are justified by the law, by what you do in the flesh, rather than by what Christ finished in his, Christ shall profit you nothing. You are a debtor to do the whole law, to keep it perfect. And if you continue in that way, what Christ accomplished for sinners is of no saving effect unto you. That's judgment. Indeed, condemnation for whosoever of you who vainly think you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Indeed, you've missed it entirely. Now, frequently, those who are ignorant of the true gospel twist this scripture to promote the idea that a sinner can be saved in Christ on Friday and then fall from grace and salvation the following Monday and become unjustified and lost again. Well, they just pick up a few words and say, well, you know, the scripture talks about falling from grace. That's not what this text is saying. Rather, it says they are fallen from grace. You missed grace entirely. And so the apostle is saying this, how that if you're thinking... If this is your idea, that you're justified by the law, you're not looking to God's grace. Keeping scripture in the context of what's being said here by the apostle, justification is by the free, sovereign grace of God. And my friend, if you're under the delusion of being justified by works that you've done by your flesh, the doing of the law, well, evidently, you're saying by that very thing, that you don't need the grace of God in Christ. And how that you're justified or sanctified by the law, that you don't need Christ, and you're not looking to Christ alone to save you. And that, my sinner friend, is just woefully wrong. Paul is saying, in effect, if you're trying to be justified by the deeds of the law, you have no need of his grace, and you've departed from the gospel and Christ has become of no effect. Christ shall profit you nothing. If you want to be saved that way, you're a debtor. 
you're obligated to meet the demands of the law, that is, to do the whole law of God perfectly. And so, beloved, our Lord Jesus Christ is a whole Savior, the complete Savior, that saves us to the uttermost, or he's no Savior at all. My friend, attempting salvation by your works, by your deeds of the flesh to the law, only engender bondage, and Christ shall profit you nothing. Christ has become of no effect unto them that are trusting in their own filthy rag. You're under the bondage and curse of the law, condemned before God right now. Our Lord Jesus declares in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. For we who believe on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by God-given, God-wrought faith. Beloved, the faith of God's elect, the gift of God, that, that faith that's the gift of God, the faith of the operation of God, looks only and ever to the Lord Jesus Christ to provide all things for us. And in him, beloved, we have all righteousness. For we received Christ by faith. Now, faith does not accomplish anything. For Christ accomplished our salvation. Rather, faith is an empty, open hand that freely receives the Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished all of our salvation. And we, through the Spirit, we wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And so this is a justifying righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus right now. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, we read, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so, beloved, this is what God the Holy Spirit reveals to us, how that we are complete in Christ, how that the Lord Jesus Christ is all our salvation. When the Spirit of truth comes, he takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us. Beloved, we have a sure hope through God's grace in Christ, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Beloved, salvation is being vitally joined to the Lord Jesus Christ, being made one with him by his sovereign grace, without the deeds of the law. For God justifies the ungodly without regard to our good works. And actually, before the thrice holy God, we don't have any good works in of ourselves. Before we conclude, just... 
turn over to the next chapter there and look there with me in Galatians chapter 6. I want you to see this here. Beloved, faith is motivated and animated by gratitude and love, not law, not bondage. So we read there in verse 14 of Galatians chapter 6. God forbid that I should glory, rejoice, or, or be comforted, save or accept in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you read your Bible today and you felt a little bit better about yourself, if you handed out a gospel tract today and you felt a little bit better about yourself, you were comforted in that in some way, that's called idolatry. Our comfort is in the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's in his doing and dying. That's where we're comforted. We're not comforted in anything save the Lord Jesus Christ, his blessed person and his finished saving work. God forbid that I should glory, rejoice, or be comforted, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature, a new creation. Our Creator has created us anew, making us a new creature with a holy nature in regeneration. And in verse 16, For as many as walking, for as many as walk according to this rule, this standard, that of only glorying, rejoicing, being comforted in Christ, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel Israel of God. Beloved, faith works by love, not to be justified, but rather because we have already been justified by his grace. And so consequently, it is the love of Christ, a love of him and his people that constrains us for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them beloved it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure Never forget it, beloved. Faith works by love. Not to gain His, not to merit it, but because, beloved, faith has already received the love of God in Christ. For it is by His rich mercy and His great love wherewith He has loved us in His Son that we are saved by His grace alone. Amen.